It's the end of an era. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for joining. I'm Morgan White. And I'm Ryan O'Keefe. And you're listening to the Created for More podcast, a series of recordings documenting our 11-month mission trip to 11 different countries spanning Asia, Africa, and Latin America, all while living out of backpacks. It is Friday, and we get on a bus headed to Ecuador on Sunday night. Ironically, not only is it our last travel day together as a squad, it's one of the most brutal travel days we've had so far on the race. We're taking a 22-hour overnight bus to the border of Colombia and Ecuador, taking a bunch of taxis across the border, and then hop on another five-hour bus to the capital city of Quito. Things are going to be a little different this time when our squad lands in Ecuador. Rather than having ministry placements set up and our regular teams placed at a specific location with an established host, our squad is being divvied up based on the type of work we want to do for our final month. We took a survey that asked us what our gifts are, what people group we're interested in working with, etc., and then received a message telling us who else answered the same as we did. They're handing out the entire month's budget to each individual, and you have full freedom to go where wherever, live wherever, partner with a church, or just walk around the city every day praying for people. You just have to collaborate with the group you were assigned to based on shared interest. That being said, our current teams are disassembling. They go away completely. I won't be a team leader. Treasurers won't be taking care of the finances. These last couple of days we have left in Colombia are the last moments with our teams that we've been with since Costa Rica. Today, I'm sitting down with my teammate, Ryan, who I've actually spent the majority of my race with because you and Theo are the only people that I've been on a team with more than once, and we've been on the last two teams together, which is really crazy because, as I've talked about on the podcast before, I think once in Swaziland, when I first got put on a co-ed team, I never expected to be on a co-ed team. I never expected to be with guys. I don't have many guy friends at home. I've only really had close friendships with girls. I grew up with sisters. And I literally had this moment at training camp. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was standing there in the room and like specifically kind of looking at you guys on the squad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm probably never really going to interact with them much. That's cool. And then also specifically looked at you because you were a very influential voice on the squad right off the bat, like at training camp, including training camp. And I was like, I don't know, just kind of thought to myself, like, I'm not really on that level. I'll probably never have the chance to really get to know him or, like, be his friend. That's fine. And not in, like, a sad (laughs) way, but just kind of like a, "Hmm, that's like a potential outcome of this situation. Yeah. Fast forward to being put on a co-ed team with you to them being put on a second team with you, to them becoming your team team leader. leader. (laughs) Like, that's so funny. I just imagine, like, God, like, chuckling at me and being like, you have no idea. You know? I just think that's so funny. I love that. But I want to wrap up this season with you, partially because I have spent the majority of my time with you, like, team-wise. Totally. And to just, like, gather your thoughts on some things also because I just value your opinion Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had the extreme honor of gleaning a lot of insight and knowledge from you just based on hanging out, sharing meals, walking around cities, that kind of thing. And I think that the little moments with you have been so beneficial for me personally, for a lot of people on the squad, just because you take a casual conversation and make it pretty profound and honestly life-giving like you know how to use words to make people think a little more question a little more just like explore ideas and kind of like get them fired up for things yeah just have a way of like expanding things that I think really pumps people up 
Um, but I want to give you to start off like a few minutes or however long you need to like talk about your story. I've had the opportunity to hear you give your testimony several times. Um, but for the sake of the podcast and like before we get into certain topics, I think it'd be fun if you got to talk about life BC before Christ. Okay. And then a little bit what you talked about last night with our team, you got to share a different piece of your story, more of like recent years since you gave your life to Christ and what that's looked like leading up to the race. Totally. Um, first off, I haven't told you this, um, (laughs) but I am super giddy to be on your podcast. Um, and I am, I very much so like your title created for more. I'm kind of obsessed with it. I told someone that the other day, um, because I really believe that we were created for more. Like Mm -hmm. that's like something that I feel in the depths of my belly. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just like a idea to me, but I believe that everybody is settling Mm -hmm. and that we were created for more. So, Mm. um, but yeah, my, uh, a little bit about my story. So I was very, very lost. Um, I grew up a Christian, uh, but at 14 years old, I recognized that I was lukewarm. And so uh, I knew that I needed to go hot or cold. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wasn't being fulfilled uh, at the current moment as a Christian. It was kind of on the fence. And so I went cold. Mm-hmm. Um, went through about nine years of seeking satisfaction and fulfillment through um, it was success in sports, uh, fitness and getting a good body success in school, um, drugs, alcohol, kind of ended up with lots and lots of, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of drugs, Mm -hmm. um, and lots of temporary pleasures. I remember like right before coming to Christ, um, kind of like the, just to emphasize the degree of substance abuse and like how much I was seeking like pleasure, um, and sensual things, um, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I was dipping a half a can of dip a day. Mm -hmm. I was smoking weed from sunup to sundown. Um, 4.20, I hit them both, 4.20 (laughs) a.m., 4.20 p.m., for those of you that don't know. Just the time that you smoke weed. (laughs) Um, I was doing harder drugs on the weekends, um, taking Adderall to get through school, um, having sex, watching porn. I know that's kind of graphic, but it's just the reality of what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually met this guy named Caden, a good friend of mine, and he showed me something different. We were going to be business partners, and I'll kind of go through this a little bit quickly for time, but long story short, I saw um, something different in him. He was not lusting after the girls that I was lusting after. Mm -hmm. Um, he was not having sex. He was not drinking alcohol. He would not smoke weed. He wouldn't even drink caffeine. I thought this guy was like totally (laughs) prude and weird and I just didn't like, but he was going to be a good business partner. So I hung around him and he was a good friend. Um, and so I actually hit this point, my fifth year, senior year of college at 23, I'm 27 now, and I was in my room, and I was feeling very overwhelmed, very stressed, I think I was even crying a little bit, and I remember thinking of Caden, and I thought, what does this guy have that I don't have? And right then it hit me, and I go, oh shit, it's Jesus. And uh, I did not want it to be Jesus, because my parents had preached Jesus to me my whole life, my siblings. I'd been in debates over Christmas and Thanksgiving about what love is and all of this stuff. And um, I just rejected it. And so I cried out to God. I said, God, if I'm not talking to four walls and a ceiling, I need you to reveal yourself to me. Uh, A month goes by, nothing. And then I'm sitting in business communication class. And my professor says, 
the greater part of communication is listening. Mm. And so I thought maybe I'm not listening or looking for God. So I start journaling, maybe this is God, maybe this is God, maybe this is God, maybe this is God, all these things that were happening, the people I was running into, etc. And then one month after that point, I'm having a conversation with Caden about separating and not doing our business endeavor together. And I tell him, Caden, you know, I want to pursue fitness stuff. I'm out on the business. And he says, that's good. I want to pursue young life stuff. I'm out mm. on the business as well. And in that moment, right then, every single maybe in my journal became a yes. And I instantly knew God was real. Mm. And um, with no conversation about Jesus, and I walked out to my car um, by myself after closing up the bagel shop. And I remember sitting there in an empty parking lot by myself. And I said, God, you revealed yourself to me. And I believe that since you did that, that you are good and you have my best intentions at heart. I have tried to drive my life for 23 years and it has been subpar at best. Mm -hmm. So from this day forward, I'm in the passenger seat. I will go wherever you tell me to go. I will do whatever you tell me to do. And I will say whatever you tell me to say. Um, And that was the start of my Christian life. I was still caught up in drugs, sex, all of that. Um, that got weaned out mm-hmm. over time, uh, over actually just a couple few months uh, for the most part. And I didn't know what else to do except to study the Bible. So I started reading like all the three and four chapter books um, <laughs> just over and over. But actually, um, yeah, so right after I came to Christ, uh, I had to swallow a very hard pill. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, if this is true, then all of my friends that I have right now are currently going to hell Mm. because I don't believe that any of them are followers of Christ or believe on Jesus. And I didn't really like that truth, but I knew that I couldn't like accept Jesus without accepting all of his teachings. Mm -hmm. And he did teach on something like that. So um, I took almost all of my graduation money that I got from graduating college um, that people gifted me. And I blew it and took a lot of friends out to lunch and would tell them about my testimony about encountering God. Yeah. And they'd have all these questions like, well, why does God allow bad, like, things to happen to good people? And yeah. like, well, what about this? And what about this? And I had no answers. I just knew God was real <laughs> and that he loved me and he wanted a relationship with me. Yeah. Um, and so that led to me going to a nine-month Bible school, which was amazing. It really set me up for success for the rest of my walk. Um, during that time, uh, I should say, this is when my evangelism like really kicked in. Mm-hmm. I'm, people call me an evangelist. I just think I'm a Jesus follower. But uh, I encountered the Lord at a Bethel music concert. And um, basically, I thought that I was one of the many. Mm-hmm. And... What I realized at that concert, God dropped me to my knees for two songs and I didn't hear anything except his voice. And I would like let him know, I'd say, I know you love me, but like you love everybody. And he mm-hmm. goes, no, I love Ryan O'Keefe. Um, he, I would say, I know you can like use me, but like you could use anybody. Like you could, you spoke through a donkey and he was like, no, no, no. Ryan O'Keefe is specifically crafted mm-hmm. for specific things at specific times and specific places. Like you are what I created for a reason. And the love of God hit me very personally, and I committed to myself. Um, Like I said, if God loves me that much, then he loves everyone that much, like personally. And so I committed to go back to Qdoba, the place I work, (laughs) and tell every person that came through the Qdoba line that Jesus loves them. Um, And there were complaints that were filed (laughs) to corporate, and 
Um, I told my manager, I said, Brandon, I, you know, I don't want you to get in trouble. So like, if I need to stop, I will. But like, I I, know I said, if you need to fire me, that's fine, but I'm not going to stop. And he was just like, keep doing your thing. And so so, what was like the little thing that you would tell the customer? Like, (laughs) so I like wanted to learn how to get to Jesus pretty fast. So I would, I always like asking people how they're doing yeah. and I genuinely mean it. Yeah. So when they answer, I say, why? Mm-hmm. Like if they, cause they're just like, how are you doing? Good. Why? Yeah. Like, why are you good? Like what's, <laughs> I want them to like, I want to wake up a little pattern interrupt. And, yeah. and so they always catches them off guard. They're like, yeah, I'll take a burrito. Um, <laughs> how are you? Good. Yeah. I'd like a uh, black beans, white rice. <laughs> I'm like, why are you good? They go, what? And, uh, <laughs> Anyway, they eventually, a lot of times, will turn around the question. They'll be like, how are you? And I'll go, I'm really good. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, why? And I'll go, because God loves me so much. Do you know God? <laughs> Do you have a relationship I with God? I love that so And much. I'll be into talking about God with them in about 15 seconds. It's really fun. <laughs> I love it, because I can, like, picture you in your little uniform. And stuff, oh, yeah. And it's, like, eye contact, like, zeroed in, like, while your hands are, oh, like, yeah. making the burrito. And, and I didn't um, tell you this, but mm-hmm. my boss thought it was funny, and he, like, trolled me really? by giving me a medium shirt and a visor when I started working there. Yeah. And so, like, I'm a pretty big guy wearing XL <laughs> and kind of, like, already fit the meathead mold. Oh, so gosh. I'm wearing a visor and a medium like, tight Udoba shirt. shirt. <laughs> and, yeah, I just looked like a total, That's total funny. fool. But it was fun. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so I very, became very passionate about yeah. sharing Jesus with people. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And now you just, now you have, like, this mantra-ish yeah, like wanting to love people. Yeah, like, just like, wanting to love everybody. Yeah, um, I believe that was God's message that He sent through Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was a I, I say it all the time. Like Jesus hanging on the cross was the big "I love you" yeah. from God. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I'm not holding your trespasses against you. Yeah. Mercy, 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 mercy. Mm-hmm. And so, I just think that if Jesus was willing to die to say that, mm-hmm. then. That's what I want to do too. I yeah. want to say that to everybody for the rest of my life as many mm. times as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. And you've got a tattoo on your wrist. And I have a tattoo on my wrist that says love all. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't tell you this. I got this in a really hard season. Really? Um, long story short, I uh, was going through a hard time with some people in my life and I was actually really struggling to love them. And that's when God really started to shift my prayer life. Uh, Literally, I would spend 30 minutes a day and I would say, God, I want to love people like you do. I want to love this person like you do. I want to love this person. I want to love this people group. God, I want to see sickness the way that you see it. I want to see pain the way that you see it. Mm -hmm. I want to feel pain when you see their pain. I want to feel the way you do. I want to see the way you do. Mm -hmm. I would spend 30 minutes just telling God and expressing to him that I want to feel, see, love, be exactly the same Mm -hmm. as him. And so I kind of created this mantra for my life, love all, Mm -hmm. um, because I really believe that that's how God functions. And Mm -hmm. when we become love, that's just what we do. We love everybody. There's no um, partiality with God and his love. And how much time passed between like you working at Qdoba and like accepting Christ and that time period where you just like got on fire and like between like when you kind of found the race and like now you're here yeah um so i am four years old in jesus okay uh, and so i 
found the race obviously like last year. So I found it at about three years old. Okay. Um, I went to the Kanakuk Institute, the Bible school at about six months old. Okay. So uh, that would have been about three and a half years ago. Okay. And was working at Qdoba during that time mm-hmm. and then studied under a pastor for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a cool story and a cool season as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. And you even said that like during your classes at the Bible school, you were like, you were always like questioning and like, yeah. like really trying to find the truth. Yeah. So I like for all of my BC years before Christ years, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was any way anybody could prove anything to me. And I was kind of one of these people that it was like, yeah, that sounds good and all, but like, you can't prove it. And yeah. so like, this could be right, or this could be right, or this could be right, or this could be right. We could be in a matrix type scenario. Mm-hmm. We could reincarnate. We could do this. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Jesus could be Lord. I don't know. Right. Like, and, uh, so when the truth hit my heart and I realized that there's an answer, yeah. I wanted to know the answer. And I realized that the answer is in the word of God, the Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, so these teachers would be up there teaching and they would be saying their opinion. And um, a lot of times it was right, but mm-hmm. I don't care about opinions, to mm-hmm. be honest. At least I didn't at that time. I want to hear opinions out, but... I would shoot up my hand and I'd say, where is that scripture? Mm -hmm. Because like I wanted truth. I was obsessed with knowing the truth. I don't want opinions. I felt like I've like been unsure for 23 years and now I'm finally sure that God loves me and I'm finally sure that there is answers to our questions and meaning and purpose to life and I want to know what it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm still on that journey today. I'm obsessed with figuring out like who I am, why I'm here, how God wants to use me, what's true. Yeah. Because I think lies is what kills people mm-hmm. and truth is what sets people free. And so yeah. I'm obsessed with finding the truth, speaking the truth, mm-hmm. giving the truth, living the truth. Yeah. It's all about truth. And yeah. like even the way that you have casual conversations with people on the squad and stuff, like you're always like trying to back it up with scripture. Like right. whenever we're kind of corporately talking, like a debrief or something or whatever. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, you like point out specific examples. Like you bring people back to the word and be like, these yeah. aren't just words I'm saying, which helps a lot of people in like in every level of where their walk is with the Lord, if they're super familiar with the word or if they're not like either way, it brings them back to like the root of things. Totally. And something I think I asked you back in Malaysia and I would love to just reiterate this point now was like, I had asked you like for someone having such a clear idea and goal for like what they wanted in life, business wise, purpose wise, whatever, like, why why the race of all things like why do you think god wanted you yeah. to spend 11 months in these countries i had no clue <laughs> yeah. i had no clue i just uh, so coming into the race i've been reflecting on this a lot recently okay coming into the race i all i knew is i want to um i'm 26 years old i'm single that's what i was thinking at that time yeah. I'm not tied down, but I might be in the future. Mm. And so I was already living pretty kingdom and mission-minded in the States. Yeah. But I thought there's probably not a whole lot of opportunities where I'll be able to, like, go travel the world and bring kingdom there. And I'm all about, like, uh, multiplication. So I was mm-hmm. like, if I can drop a seed in this country or this country, or I love airports, mm-hmm. like, because I love dropping a seed on somebody, and then I have no clue where they're flying to, and yeah. I may find out I made an impact in a country I've never been to because I made one mm-hmm. seed sown at the airport. So yeah. I was just fired up to 
really spread seeds in the season that I was in. But now I realize that um, after reflecting last debrief, mm-hmm. um, we put we did a big like storyboard of our time on the race. Oh yeah. And God revealed to me that He was actually um, something I don't talk about a ton. I went through a very tough season. Uh, roughly like two, two and a half years into my walk, I was engaged and then I wasn't. I was going to work for a church and then I wasn't. It was a very tough season. Mm-hmm. Led to a lot of questioning of identity, a lot of questioning of, you know, can I be married? Will I ever be married? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Um, just a whole bunch of like hurt and pain. And a lot of it my fault. Um, not all of it, but a lot of it. Sure. And um, haven't had a perfect walk, mm-hmm. but I have had a one of persevering. Yeah. And, um, so what I realized is that this race, God actually really healed my identity as a son, my, healed my identity as a leader, healed my identity as a follower of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. he healed my identity as a husband and as mm-hmm. a father. Um, I'm none of those yet, but yeah. like, I believe you have to be those before you can mm. actually step into those roles. And yeah. so, it was a big wow. year of healing and like Jeez. affirming my call. Um, and so I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. God knew like yeah. why I was going to be here. I had no idea. That's so cool to hear your answer change like from month three at the time to like this last yeah. debrief that we have before month 10 to like see all the dots kind of connect, which of course the race gives you a specific set of circumstances where you're pushed more and you're like, you're doing different things that you wouldn't normally be able to do at home as yeah. far as like the culture context and like having the language barrier and how to communicate effectively with like limited words or like whatever, like trying to go past cultural barriers and stuff like that. And even if you end up spending the majority of your time in the States where you don't have to worry about those things, it stretches your abilities just on how to like reach people in more unique ways, like how to fit their circumstances and where they're at. And so even if you already had that, yeah. that would still be enough. But to see like the way that he was bringing a lot of healing into your life is yeah. super cool. And I am like super in general, like mm-hmm. anti the phrase processing yeah. and reflecting mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. I just generally don't do it. Right. Uh, and I'm anti, I'm no longer anti, but like okay. I was anti because I had a skewed perception of it. Okay. Um, but at that debrief, I was like, God, normally I don't like to do these types of things where mm-hmm. we like look backwards and evaluate like I'm a look forward kind of guy Mm -hmm. but uh I said I'm going to submit to my authority and my authority is saying that we should do this my Mm -hmm. my squad mentor is saying we should do this and so I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it with a humble heart and I'm going to give everything I have to this activity right that I think might be meaningless but I'm going to do it with all my heart yeah and a lot of people like rolled their eyes kind of they're like why are we doing this and by the end of it I'm like the biggest proponent of that activity (laughs) because I'm like no way. And I'm convinced that like, yes, the healing still would have taken place, Yeah. but man, I have such a greater perspective of who God is and the way that he works Hmm. behind the scenes because I didn't know that he was doing that until I reflected on the fact that he was doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just really amazed at like the power of taking time to reflect and look back on what God has done in different months and seasons of your life yeah. and see if there's a theme of like, God, what are we, what were you doing here? What were you doing here? What yeah. were you doing here? It was really cool. Interesting. I loved it. Loved it. Um, something that I love about your life approach, whether it's based on what's in your testimony and kind of like the things that you've walked through, but like a common denominator is like, 
just this intensity sort of i think i've told you before like you're simultaneously the most like laid back chill and yet like most intense person i know but you like to approach life with like this hunger and like this like striving for excellence or just like being the best version of yourself and you've also like described yourself kind of as like an all or nothing sort of guy and like how you talked about before you were trying to figure out your faith. Like I'm either hot or I'm cold. Like right. I got to like, and you yeah. decided to go cold first, but like now you're hot with yeah. it. And, like where, where does that like come from? Like, what is it that's inside of you that makes you want to like strive for those types of things? Whether yeah. it's like fitness or your, your relationship with the Lord or with people and like yeah. that kind of thing. Totally. Um, I believe <laughs> that we were all created to be addicted to mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And so I actually think we were all created to be like over the top passionate about one thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think two schemes of the enemy is to get us either passionate about something else other than Jesus Mm -hmm. and addicted to something else or to spread thin our passion and get us distracted with a whole bunch of different things and make us into that lukewarm category. Mm. And so... I think what God did when I got saved is he transferred all of my passion into Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I've realized as I've walked over the past four years that anytime I'm not all about Jesus and all about the kingdom, life seems more difficult. My joy suffers, my peace suffers, my mental and emotional health suffers, my physical health suffers. Everything suffers when I'm not all about the kingdom. Hmm. And so... But there is a quote that I love. It's kind of a mantra for my life as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It says, capacity and ability constitutes accountability and responsibility. Mm -hmm. We should never be pleased to dwell on a level of existence lower than that which God has made it possible for us to dwell. Mm -hmm. We should strive to be the best that we can be Mm -hmm. um, and reach the highest levels we should reach. Anything less is to be a poor steward of the life that God has given us. That's good. And so I want to, if God says I can dwell on a high level and I'm dwelling on like a moderate level in physical health and spiritual health and relational health, mental health, whatever category of life we're talking about. If he says I can dwell on this high level, but I'm dwelling on this low level, mm-hmm. you know, I feel as if I want to go to that high level yeah. because like, why would I not? And capacity to go there and ability constitutes accountability and responsibility. So there's a reason that God made it possible mm-hmm. for me to dwell there. And it's because he wants to use me to be the delivery package of his kingdom to mm-hmm. this world. Yeah. And if I'm not healthy, then I'm going to be inward focused and not outward focused. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hinder his ability to move through me. And life is just too short for that because yeah. we are all going to die soon. And I actually just pulled up a calendar. I was talking to God about how I could improve my time management. Okay. And he, and like discerning what's important as far as time goes. Okay. And he said, I want you to see how much time you have left. Oh, God. And so I Googled. Your whole life? I Googled a timer. I Googled a timer (laughs) between now and December 17th, 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2091. (laughs) That's me at 100 years old. And I've only got about 26,000 days left. (laughs) 26,400. I don't know exactly what the count is, but it's only like 2.2 billion seconds. Literally, and so I watched it. I don't it. even know what that means practically. I literally got freaked out as I watched the seconds start counting down. And I go, okay, this, okay, this is not healthy. Um, and he was yeah. like, no, that's not healthy. But I wanted you to be aware Interesting. that 
the only thing that's happening with time is it's you're losing it. Mm -hmm. And so he said the best thing to do with your time is redeem it. Mm -hmm. Because you will never, ever on this side of, like, except for on this side of heaven, be able to make a difference on whether someone goes to heaven or to hell. Like, once I'm in heaven, I can't serve God in that way. Once I'm in heaven, I can no longer resist sin. So I can no longer glorify God by resisting sin Jeez. in heaven. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That's how I see it. That's crazy. So, it can sound so intense, but yeah. like that's the truth. It of is it, intense. Yeah. And even like the way that you were describing everything, like it just shows like the interconnectedness of like mind, body, spirit kind yeah. of stuff. Like if you're slacking in one area, you're probably going to be slacking in another. Hundred percent. I believe that with all my heart. I love that he took you through that. Like, that's so bleak and weird, kind of, and morbid, but it just, like, it proved a point of, like... It did. You're only losing time. It absolutely did. Sounds like a movie But he will redeem it, and I want to, like, so... That's good. Don't live fearfully. Right, (laughs) right. Just realize every second counts, and, like, maybe you may not ever get that opportunity again to talk to that person that you're about to walk past. Right. So maybe you should talk to them. Yeah. You know, that's good. Yeah. And that's something I've also been able to see you like lead by example with like on the race, because I'm sure this is something that you already did at home to whatever extent, but it's fun to like be traveling in packs of people and like on the team and stuff. And especially this month of ministry, like it's a pretty, there's like a schedule, there's an agenda and stuff, but you're still willing to just like pause in the moment and be like, hey, can I go talk to this person over here, over there? Totally. And that's really refreshing because like God will make up for the time somewhere else. He will. He'll slow things down for you, provide grace in another area, like whatever it is, like he'll work it out if you're like trying to see those people, Amen. which I think is awesome. Um, this is somewhat of like a different direction, but community is a big factor on the race. Um, the way that the yeah. squad operates, how teams are set up. Um, the bonds that are formed, like all sorts of things. Um, and I remember once in Panama City, I think it was last month in Panama City, we were walking back from a session of prayer at the church or something, and you made like some sort of comment about how you don't foresee yourself like quote unquote mourning the end of the race, mm-hmm. and like because people talk about that just right. as like a just be aware it might be really hard whenever you get home and you're just kind of like I'm just not that type of person yeah and like I want to hear your heart on that and like yeah. also how community fits into that with like the friendships you've developed totally. and like how you see that being like at home yeah that's been community has been definitely something um, God has been teaching me about so in regards to like the first comment about like yeah not really mourning the race yeah, sure. uh that's kind of like slightly different basically okay it's the same reason that i haven't really fully mourned any country that we've left i know a lot of times people will cry when yeah. they leave a country sure. or like experience a lot of sadness or this or that um you know i i was wondering like god am i just like not emotional about that <laughs> yeah. but i like cry a lot so yeah. i'm not like right. i was like what's up with this and i realized that like I really settled in my mind before I ever came on the race. Mm-hmm. God, I have one month with these people. I'm going to give them everything I have. And then the second that I leave them, I'm devoting all of my mental and emotional energy to the next group. Hmm. And then all of my mental and emotional So I don't have time right. to mourn month two because yeah. then I'm robbing month three. Right. And so like, I feel that way about everything, a big... I guess I have a lot of mantras in my life, but like I <laughs> claim, good. I claim things as my own. None of yeah. these are my own. Um, one thing I do, this one thing Paul says, I forget what lies behind and I press on to what's ahead mm-hmm. that I may lay hold of the prize 
for which Christ like laid hold of me. Hmm. That's like paraphrased because I don't know if it's verbatim, but basically I forget everything from the past and I press on to what's ahead. That's Mm -hmm. why I mentioned the reflecting thing was healthy. And I do think there's a time for that, but sure. In general, I just, I don't worry about things that are out of my control Mm -hmm. and I don't get emotional about things that are out of my control. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not worried about mourning the race. I'm just excited for Mm -hmm. what's next. Like this season will end. The next season will come. Yeah. Now there's, I have learned that community is like pretty much one of the most important things anybody can have to successfully bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Hmm. It's biblical. The reason the book, like the church was thriving in the book of Acts is because they had deep rooted community. And so I will, no matter where I am after the race, dive into a new community. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there will be some people on this race. um, We can't spread our attention too thin, but there will be some people on this race that um, I intentionally follow up with to Mm -hmm. see how they're doing because that's just what you do as friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're going to integrate it into your life back home to whatever extent that looks like. But as long as it's not taking away your attention from other things or like whatever current place he's put you in, I guess. And that's like, so I have like a prayer schedule and I don't ever think or worry about Mm -hmm. my family. Yeah. Because I pray for my family mm-hmm. every Friday. Yeah. So like family Fridays, family <laughs> and friend Fridays. So I've got a list of who I pray for on Fridays. And so I don't worry about them. Yeah. Um, and I schedule time to talk to them. Yeah. I'm not the best at that. They will, if they, if you're listening family, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm getting better. I just yeah. usually am where I am. Yeah. And I like, if it, if I think it's going to draw away my attention, then I'll just pray about it instead yeah. of like letting my emotions get to me. Yeah. I think that's admirable. I think that's the healthy balance I'm trying to look for because my, the way that I'm just like wired and stuff and I, I don't like either looking back on things or like past, even if it's like good or bad, but specifically like negative things that like were painful and like I, or at least I want to move on and go to the next thing. But usually, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit, but a lot of times to just kind of shut out the negative things and to not like dwell on the pain and like where maybe processing would help like heal from a past hurt yeah. or something. Even if it's just like simply sitting with the Lord and like giving it to him, sometimes it's hard for me to like bring those things to the surface totally. and then give them over to him. And so like something I need to like work on and I've been trying to, I think the race has like been really beneficial for me to kind of like approach those things mm-hmm. um, because we we sit in one country for just so long and then we quickly move on to the next and I like it I'm like okay you great moving yeah. forward yeah. and I don't usually like mourn. change yeah, yeah I yeah. love change and adaptability and I don't I cried after month one and I think it's like I just needed that one out of the way it was a really yeah. special community and host that we had and stuff but yeah. like I don't know, after every other month, I was just like, okay, like, let's keep going. Sometimes I'd forget to say goodbye to people. I just like hop on the bus. Like, it's like, I was almost like running from it sometimes, Yeah. but I think I'm like learning a little bit more the balance. And so I like your approach of like the benefit of it. And like, you have like pure intentions when it comes to like moving on from those things. What are your thoughts on community? Like, how are you going to handle that post race? That's hard too, because sometimes it's hard whenever we've like, even in like, other things like at home like I went to several schools and stuff and a lot of that happened whenever I was young but once we would like close the chapter on that part of life 
it would be really hard for me to like open it back up. Yeah. And so that would come to like, if we ever had to like drive through an old town we used to live in or mm. something. And I'd be like, Ugh, and I get this weird feeling like existential kind of feeling. And so when it came to community, first of all, I did not perceive like it being as amazing as it has been. I expected yeah. really good things, but there's just no way that you can kind of, like plan for what does happen totally. when you get in a community like this. Oh yeah. And so I think a part of me was like, I think already kind of categorizing it in my mind before it started of like, these are like the race people, the squad, yeah. even using like certain terminology, like in conversation and stuff of just like my squad mates versus friends and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's really evolved now. And Sydney and I were talking about this the other week about she like, she said something that was almost so simple yet so profound. And she was like, I care about you guys. Like I care about my friends at home. Which is true because even in my mind, I had started to switch the way I was thinking about people on the squad and like using the word like friend and stuff. And some of that sounds kind of silly, but it's true. Like just the way that your brain sort of operates and how you think of things. Yeah. yeah. But now they were kind of like flowing and meshing together. Yeah. And then I had been talking to um, a squad mentor from the Gap squad that we had got to meet up with in South Africa, Casey Tillman. Yeah. Um, And she said that when she got closer to the end of her race, she asked the Lord to highlight a few people specifically that he wanted her to stay connected with after the race. Because you're right, like you can stretch yourself so thin and then you're not able to like really stay connected to a person. Exactly. There's just too many. Uh, And you're never meant to have like 40 best friends or whatever that looks like. And so she's like, who are the people that you want me to be really invested in afterwards? Yeah. And I thought that was such a fun idea too, because I would love for some way to incorporate what I have with the people that are in my life currently back at home in that context of like, once we get back around our old friends and like our family members and jobs and stuff. And so I think I'm, I'm so much more open to it and yeah. I also see a lot of potential in it and I see ways that it can work out and I'm like, man, we could visit each other here and there. Like Miguel already has his wedding plan for November, right. like little opportunities yeah. here and there where I'm just like, this could actually be really good. It'll look different than what it does now. Totally. These are the people I wake up to now every morning and like, that's going to go away. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. But it's going to, I think he's, he has blessed this season, the circumstances, the way it looks right now. 100%. And he's going to bless that time afterwards. And like he knows who we're going to be connected to afterwards too. So totally. Yeah. There's been a lot of redemption in that area as well. So yeah. thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, this is also kind of going in a different direction, but again, like there's just a lot of things that I want to ask you about, or at least a variety of things, but healing has been a big thing thing on the race it's been a new topic for a lot of people and it's something that i know you feel really strongly about totally it's something that you walk in a lot you love to experiment with put yourself out there whenever we're like in the city or in ministry with each other on the squad and so i think like i don't know i've gotten conflicted sometimes i wrestle with it still because it wasn't something that i was really exposed to like this much until the race But sometimes, like, I'll be there when we're praying for healing, if it's, like, a few of us, specifically even you sometimes, Mm -hmm. and we'll pray over a person, see healing, and then, like, I'll walk away later. And, like, in that moment, I have, like, a small celebration. Sometimes, I don't know, like, a little bit of lingering doubt, though, where I'm just, like, not that, like, did I see that? Like, really? Not that, but just, like, did I actually have any part in that? Or was I just a witness? Was it just because I was with Ryan? Was it just because I was with Theo? You know what I mean? Totally. And so I want to just, like, hear your heart on that and, like, the concept that 
every believer is capable of walking in that gift, but maybe some are more yeah. like anointed in that gift or that kind of thing. Totally. Um, well, you're not alone in that thought <laughs> yeah. because literally, no, I'm serious. Like at the mall today, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there eating lunch by myself. Uh-huh. Um, Jacob was at the coffee shop. We, we were in Paris too. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> World race rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, God, before the race, like a lot of the healings and stuff was like coming like when I was by myself. Mm-hmm. And now I actually am finding it more difficult like to pray in faith when I'm by myself. I'm really, mm-hmm. it, which is funny because there was a huge block in the beginning of the race. Anytime I would approach somebody with somebody else, mm-hmm. like from the squad to pray, I would get nervous, I'd get self-focused, and I would never see anything happen because I was so focused on what I was feeling and yeah. experiencing. Very self-conscious. Yeah. And now, like, all of the healings that I see are always with somebody else. Hmm. And I love that, actually. Yeah. Like, I love that um, I'm more confident with somebody else. Um, but that doesn't change the truth. Yeah. So, like, I was reminding myself of that today. So, just, like, a general overview of, like, why I'm passionate about healing and my thoughts on healing. Yeah. Um, I, like, saw my first healing uh, with my mom who um, had pulled a hamstring a couple months old in the Lord. My mentor taught me, you know, you can ask anything in Jesus' name, believe that you've received it, and you'll have it. And she had some serious pain in her hamstring from a softball game. And... She had taken off too fast, kind of like popped the hamstring. And sure enough, she's like walking two days later, mm-hmm. like multiple miles like she normally does wow. uh, after we prayed. And so I was opened up to healing at that point. And then um, I went to that Bible school. And there was kind of different views on healing at this Bible school that it was kind of like maybe it was God's like, God like picks and chooses when he heals. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of our experience. Sometimes we pray and we see a healing happen and sometimes we pray and we don't. Right. And so oftentimes we like point the finger at God and say, well, God chose not to mm-hmm. or God chose to and it was up to his sovereign choice. Yeah. And that was like the theology I was taught there, but it didn't settle with me because it wasn't what I was seeing in the Bible. Um, I Actually, there's only one New Testament story where a disciple of Jesus prays for somebody who is demon-possessed, but it's actually a demon that's causing epilepsy. It's in Mm. Matthew 17. Yeah. And he says, um, you know, he actually, Jesus, follows up and, like, rebukes them, like, the disciples a little bit. He's Mm. being, it sounds harsh, but he's being gentle. He's just saying, like, come on, guys. Like, you got to see this thing. Like, you're going to carry the kingdom for me. Like, Mm. I need you to see. Yeah. And so then he rebukes the demon. Boy gets healed right then. And the disciples come to him after and are like, you know, teacher, like, why couldn't we drive the demon out? Like, why couldn't we heal the boy? Mm -hmm. And he said, because of your unbelief. Mm -hmm. And he said, (laughs) but, so because of your unbelief, like four words right there. Right. But then he follows it up with this beautiful promise. I love it because it's four words for why not. And then it's multiple words for why it can happen. He says, but assuredly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Hmm. And I have clung to that scripture for all of my Christian walk. And along with another one in Mark 16 that says, these signs will follow those that believe in my name. And one of the verses, things that comes after that says, they will lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. 
you know, I, I press into the fact that if I believe it can happen and nothing by any means shall be impossible for me. Yeah. And so I like, that really helps me when I don't see something happen. Uh, I've been through a journey where I've like beat myself up and I've questioned, well, is it my little faith? I mean, Jesus said it was my unbelief, but what I realized is that doesn't do any good. Um, what does good is when I fix my eyes on him and I, you know, Hebrews actually talks about this, uh, Hebrews one or two, it says, um, you know, right now it says that God has put all things under man's feet, Mm -hmm. but we don't really see all things under man's feet right now, but we do see Jesus. Mm -hmm. We see Jesus. And what I see in Jesus life is that every sick person he prayed for got healed. Mm. Everyone. He never turned them away and said, it's not your time. Yeah. He never turned them away and said, sorry, I'm trying to teach you a lesson through this. He never said any of those things. It says that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And Jesus lives in me now. Mm -hmm. And so when I have a situation like that where I don't see something put under my feet, I pray for someone with a broken bone and that broken bone doesn't get restored. Yeah. I'm not seeing everything under my feet, but I see Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I know that Jesus, if he touches that man, they're getting healed. And so I just thank God. I thank God. I say, I go, God, I didn't see them healed right this second, Mm -hmm. but I'm not throwing away faith. Faith isn't hit, miss, win, or lose. It is the position in my heart to receive what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And you paid for every sickness, every sin, every disease, every pain, every broken bone. And if you were here, you would touch them and they would be whole. Yeah. And so I'm just excited that this prayer, something happens, something stern, and I'm excited to believe for the next person to see them get healed hmm. because I know I don't want them suffering. I know you don't want them suffering. Yeah. And so let's go pray for the next person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll pray for someone and I may not see them get healed. And then I will see the same issue, a right knee, no, no healing. Another person with a crutch walks up, right knee. Mm-hmm. And guess what? that person gets healed. Wow. And honestly, last thing I'll say on that, like sure. the simplicity of healing, I'm going to quote Jacob Coulter. Mm-hmm. I hope I do it well. Okay. He is somebody that I have seen blossom in this healing thing. 100%. We've seen a lot of healings. Yeah. And they've been really cool. Yeah. And he said something the other day. Uh, he saw this amazing healing with an older woman who um, started dancing. She was like, I haven't danced like this in 20 years. <laughs> and she, uh, it was super cool. And he said... He goes, all I know is that sometimes when I pray, that happens. Right. And somebody who hasn't danced like that in 20 years gets healed. He goes, I think I'll keep on praying. And honestly, like, (laughs) that is like when Jesus says, you must be like a child to receive the kingdom. That's it. Like, who cares how much you haven't seen? Right. Like, just get your hands on some people and believe God and mark my words. If you just have fun with it and just love people. I prayed for someone today and I didn't see them get healed, but they were so thankful because I loved them. Yeah. I took five minutes out of my day to hear their, what they're suffering with and yeah. love them. Yeah. Like sometimes it does more on the inside. You don't lose if you love. Right. So if you pray a million prayers hmm. and never see one person get healed on the spot. Yeah but you love a million times, mm-hmm. you didn't lose. Yeah. Like you can't lose if you love. It's Jeez. amazing. That's really good. But we can be encouraged to go after it because the same spirit that lived in Christ mm-hmm. lives in me and I can press in and yeah. I actually can see people get healed. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So 
And that's for, a passion of mine. So yeah, yeah no, that's great, and that's something that I'm glad I've like been exposed to a little bit more by like being around you and people like Jacob. Jacob's on our team, yeah. and that is something that he's grown in a lot. And maybe for like the sake of summary, like not to like put you on the spot or yeah. anything, but like if people are they have questions about healing and stuff. Do you know like the specific scripture references that like they could go to look to whenever we talk about this kind of stuff? Totally. Um, honestly I would start with Mark 16. Okay. These signs will follow those that believe. Mm -hmm. Um, it talks about like casting out demons, speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. this, but one of them is they'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Mm -hmm. These signs will follow those that believe. Yeah. Every time I pray for someone, Mm-hmm. Whether they get healed or not, I come back to that scripture and the scripture has not changed. Right. So I'm wondering if it's me or like, yeah. like it's not God changing. Like right. the Bible says the same thing. It says if they, be- if I believe, yeah. I'll put my hands on them and they will recover. Mm-hmm. Um, in summary, this is what I'll say. Okay. Um, you can't trust your experience. Mm-hmm. You have to trust the word. Mm-hmm. So we are bringing our experience into alignment with the word, not the word into alignment with our experience. Yeah. Too often we base our theology off of what we've experienced or felt right. or seen, and that's not how it works. The word is the standard, and we measure up to the word, not the other way around. That's so good. we're growing yeah. into what the word says is possible for us. Mm. And so... I would just encourage, search through the scriptures, understand that Jesus is perfect theology. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 1 says that in the former days, God spoke through the prophets, mm-hmm. uh, but in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, who is the outbearing of his brightness, the exact representation of his person. So if you want to know if God heals every time, mm-hmm. Jesus was the exact representation of his person. Yeah. Jesus healed every time. Yeah. It says it in Acts that he went about doing good and healing all hmm. who are oppressed by the devil. And so Colossians 1, 15, he is the visible image of the invisible God, or 16, I can't remember. Okay. And then John 1, 18 um, says that no one has seen God at any time, but the Son of God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That word declared is to make known. He has made him known. So if you want to know the will of God, if you want to know what the Father's will is, if it's his will to heal or not to heal, the only way you can know that is if you look at the life of Jesus and you never see him not heal whenever he's with a sick person. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it is God's will to heal every time. And so you carry that confidence in every time you go pray. The answer is already yes. So Mm. I'm never even asking. I actually just, Father, I thank you for your love for them. I thank you for how much you care for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Yeah. Pain, get out. Spirit of affliction, leave now. And then I always ask them to check it. Yeah. Because that raises the risk level a whole right. bunch. And yeah. I really like that because it's really good to be humiliated and look like a fool. Yeah. Because you can't receive the kingdom without humility. Yeah. So, yeah, That's it's so good. good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I think that you covered a lot, which, like, will give people like something to chew on like I think that's really good thank you for explaining all of that um something that I wasn't planning on asking you but I think instead of this other thing that I had like jotted down um maybe like somewhat quickly but like this idea there's something that you've challenged me on and I think specifically on this second team that we've been together on um but about this idea that like we don't have to sin 
or like live oh, sure. in sin. Sure. I don't know, like what, yeah. uh, after we had talked about it at some point in Costa Rica, really mm-hmm. kind of casually, like I think at like lunch or something. Yeah. And then later I ended up reading first John. Oh yeah. And it like talked a bunch, like the language, certain words that it uses that I hadn't really picked up on, like the specific words of like when, or if you sin, not if when, you sin. Right. that kind of stuff. I don't yeah. know. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's like a really good point. So like he says that in First John chapter 2, he goes, my brethren, like I write this to you so that you will not sin. Yeah. But if you do, mm-hmm. don't worry, you've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, mm-hmm. who is not only the propitiation for your sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And so like if you sin, thank God for the blood of Jesus because <laughs> yeah. he is literally the only reason that any of us are saved. Um, but I've just noticed this trend in the church um, where we tend to exalt our ability to sin, Mm -hmm. which I actually think is a result of exalting our awareness of the flesh instead of exalting our awareness of the spirit and our ability not to sin. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I talk about the ability to be free from sin, people can hear me thinking that I'm preaching some kind of perfection. They can get in debates over 1 John 1. Well, if you say you have no sin... I don't have time to go into all of that, yeah. but this is what I can say. Like, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. Hmm. The mindset on the Spirit is death, but the mindset on, or on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. You know, there's, the Spirit is contrary to the flesh so that we won't do what we want to do. If we live by the Spirit, you do not sin. Mm. And it literally says, like, if you love, you have fulfilled all of the law. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what I would like to see happen, I mean, if you read read Romans 6, and a lot of people take Romans 7 out of context, Romans 6, it says you've been set free from sin over and over and over. And it even says that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That phrase done away with in the Greek literally means rendered inoperative. Mm. The body ruled by sin has been rendered inoperative or useless. It is dead. Mm -hmm. So it says reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God under Christ Jesus Mm -hmm. um, and through Christ Jesus. And so there's this like positioning of our heart where we realize we've been set free from sin, but we do present our members as instruments of righteousness. So I think if I could summarize really quickly the way that you practically apply that, it's don't wake up believing you're a sinner because the Bible doesn't teach that. Wake up believing that you're a saint and a son who's mm-hmm. been redeemed, one who has been filled with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that set Jesus free from the grave and free from death. And that same Spirit is the Spirit that you live by. You no longer walk by the flesh. You walk by the Spirit. And that Spirit can empower you to live like Jesus every moment of every day. And I guess like to tie that bow together, the Spirit is always present. It's always present tense. So I'm not worried about trying not to sin in the future. I'm not even worried about trying not to sin in the present. And I'm definitely not worried about my imperfections in my past. Living in the spirit is a present thing. And so it's never like, well, are you saying you're never going to sin again? That's not even the question. That's not even a spirit-led question. Because the spirit in all of his power and all of his love is always present. God is I am. Mm -hmm. He is perfect presence. 
And so all of our power to walk in the fullness of love and freedom that Jesus gave us comes from immersing ourselves in the spirit in the present moment. And if we can immerse ourselves in the spirit in the present moment now, Mm -hmm. and then on the next moment now, and then on the next moment now, if we do that enough every day for the rest of our life, what do you know? You haven't sinned very much by the end of your life because you've been so immersed in the spirit. And so, yeah, just know, just... I encourage people to not exalt the ability to sin and right. more so exalt the ability of the spirit to free you from the power of sin. Right. And I was about to say, like, it's not that idea is it's not to like put a pressure on people to try to strive. No, like, perfection. not even a little bit. It's like to free them from like that captivity of like, well, I'm bound to sin or live this certain way because I'm human. Every sin you have ever committed, ever will commit has been paid for. Mm-hmm. So there is literally at this point, zero pressure Jeez. to yeah. perform. Yeah. None. Like you cannot, like the same grace that saved you pre-Jesus is the same grace that will carry you post-Jesus. Yeah. And so literally forever and ever, God is pleased with me because I'm in the sun, not because of my performance. Hmm. And so I have no, I feel no pressure to try to not sin. I feel no pressure to try to live a perfect life of love. I'm just happy that I'm saved and I've been filled with the spirit and I found out who the heck I am and why I'm mm-hmm. on this earth. And I'm yeah. just going to have fun and wake up and realize that God's doing stuff today and he lives in me. I no longer live. It's he who lives in me. So I guess I'm doing stuff today. He's healing people. I'm healing people. He's loving people. I'm loving people. He's encouraging people. I'm encouraging people. That's so so good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be cool for like people at home and like whether they know you or like people that I know and they don't know you, but like having gone from the beginning of this podcast, like listening to like your story, where you've come from, the things that we've talked about um, and like that the Lord is walking you through. Would you like to mention what you're doing after the race like this very practical thing that you have to look forward to like where you're going yeah so I actually had the opportunity to speak on evangelism which I just call evangelism love yeah in action yep uh, at the awakening in South Africa that led to a conversation with a guy from a ministry in South Africa called impact Africa Mm -hmm. Um, his name is rich um really great guy really cool ministry and he um and I talked afterwards, and he presented the idea of me coming back to South Africa for two months after the race. Um, initially, I had zero interest, yeah. um, but I committed to a lot of prayer and fasting uh, in Nicaragua, and sure enough, God spoke to me very clearly, and he even told me, like he said, I want you to write out the email to Rich right now and tell nobody else, mm-hmm. not your parents, not your friends, not your team leader, tell him that you're committing to coming back because I don't want anybody else to have a say hmm. in what I'm doing. So I don't know for sure why I'm going there. Yeah. I didn't even really want to go there. Yeah. But I'm. But now I do. Now I do. Yeah. I want to just emphasize I am super stoked right. to go and love some people. Uh, and do whatever I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. there, um, according to God. That's so, so cool. Cause yeah. I wasn't even on your radar at all. Yeah. So I fly back out to South Africa two weeks after getting into Jeez. the States. I'm excited. What do you want to do with that little bit of time that you have in the States? Like, um, is there a specific place you want to eat or like a person you want to yeah. see or I don't know. I'm getting me some Chipotle, uh, daylight <laughs> donuts, maple long john for sure. <laughs> Old school bagel cafe. And my dad is doing dancing with the stars in wow. my hometown and that's there and that's, while you're there yeah in those two weeks that's perfect good. timing and then I'm, me and my dad are going to the voice of healing conference in dallas 
three days before I fly out, and I'll fly out from Dallas to hmm. uh, South Africa. Jeez, so I'm super such a stoked. quick turnaround. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. I was working on your uh, playlist again today. Yes, I need. I use Apple Music and you use Spotify, right? We're gonna have to figure that. Yeah, out. Yeah, I'll just like borrow your phone and type them in or something. But I named it O Beef. Okay. And there's like a little emoji of a steak. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Um. Yeah, and I was going to kind of wrap things up with the podcast by trying to quiz you over trivia that we did on our this massive trivia night that we had on Independence Day early this month in Colombia, but we don't have time for it, and that's okay, so you get yeah. off the hook with that one. But did you, God. <laughs> and you do have a good memory, so I'm sure it would have been fine, but did you enjoy celebrating the 4th of July? Oh, I enjoyed it because I was okay. with you. <laughs> yeah, I... I, like, have definitely grown to appreciate the United States, our founding fathers. I mean, I texted you the other day and said, like, I was listening to, what was it, the Gettysburg Address by Abraham Lincoln, (laughs) and I was like, this guy is freaking genius, and so I have developed a whole new love for the United States, for our presidents, um, everything. That's so cool. Yeah, since getting to be on team with you. That's so cool. Twice in a row. Twice in a row. And at first, before I thought about doing trivia, I was like, we could talk about something like political or something because you and I have had some pretty good conversations about like socialism and the electoral college and raising the minimum wage, like just a bunch of random things here and there. But like, I I like getting your perspective because I think you're good at like looking at both sides and just kind of taking a reasonable approach and, and also how we kind of take on those things as Christians yeah. and like, yeah, I don't know. So, but then I was just like thinking about doing trivia, but I've really enjoyed those types of conversations too. too. Cause you Me also too. know how to like challenge a little bit too. Yeah. Like I thought that I had like a pretty steady opinion about the electoral college. And then you're kind of like, well, sometimes the most radical ideas are like the ones that are worth Like they're the ones that advocate for the most change and they lead to the most progress. Right. All along. I was like, Oh shoot, you're kind of right. Like, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. So it's good to play around with. Those yeah, yeah, but then you are also humble enough, and you're like, so what's this deal with the socialism? Like, I just don't know enough about it, or yeah. whatever. And like, you're willing to ask questions, and so that's such a pure heart to come by. Like, you know what you stand for, but you're willing to hear other people out, and yeah. like, that's how we get. Well, past. you are the same. Well, like, yeah, you do that I hope so. Very, very well. <laughs> cool. I hope so. Yeah. Um, you can follow Ryan on Instagram by searching at Ryan P. O'Keefe. That's correct. O'Keefe spelled O-K-E-E-F-E. That's right. Or also at As You Go Christianity, spelled just like it sounds. Okay. That will start to pick up a little bit more. Perfect. Soon enough. Okay. (laughs) And then, of course, you can sort through my photos from the trip with at American Morgan with an underscore in the middle. Um, with this podcast also, if you subscribe and leave a simple comment, it will circulate more and more people will find it, which I think would be a really cool opportunity for the world race and so that we people can have an inside look at the program and life on the field and all sorts of stuff. Also with everything that we talked about today, like a lot of really, um, kind of thick, dense material and that I think would be super beneficial for a lot of people. But anyways, if you feel like it, that would be super helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Ryan, for being here. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I just wanted to say if you have any questions Mm. or any concerns or anything that you want to talk about pertaining to today or um, anything that wasn't talked about today, I would love to, like, answer any questions or clear up any comments that weren't clear. Perfect. um, Just on some of those, like, more, like you said, tough topics. Yeah, you could talk about some of this stuff forever. Yeah, I would would love to just be able to maybe meet you wherever you're at and 
help you in any way I can. That's beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks for being here, really. Thank you for having me, I appreciate Momo. it. <laughs> Momo. Ryan calls me Momo. <laughs> He's the first person to do that. I have like 17 nicknames, but you've been super steadfast with the Momo yes. thing. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.